right, sorry for the delay there. Good evening, everybody. Let's see. Um, in musing a bit more on the topic of faith, ongoing discussion of faith, I thought I'd tell a couple stories about Shoto Harada Roshi. So Shoto Harada Roshi um, is someone who is not officially in our lineage, so that means he's not, uh, you know, I don't have a teacher-student relationship with him. I don't believe either of my teachers do or ever did formally, um, though they each studied with him for a time. Um, you know, nobody, nobody in my direct lineage like took Jukai with him or ordination or anything like that, but he's uh, loosely in our tree because of these, uh, uh, there's been some training overlap. So my teacher's doing Sashin and um, Daitetsu Michael actually doing some Sashin and some training time in Japan with Shoto Harada Roshi. So there's one story, and of course these are all third or fourth hand because I wasn't there and didn't hear directly from him. Um, so one story about uh, Shoto Harada Roshi's beginning to practice. Uh, and so this story, as I understand it, uh, Shoto Harada Roshi was on some sort of um, like business school track or something like this. So he was either, I don't remember if he was in school. school. Say it? Law school. Law school. Thank you. And feel free, um, you know, if you don't have the benefit of sitting right here with me during the talk, that's this is good. You know, accuracy is good. Um, uh, and you know this story too, you can chime in after the talk. So he's in law school and you know he's doing the law school thing. He's probably wearing some sort of suit and going to the next law school gig and he's on a bus and the short of it is that Mumon Roshi uh, the man who would become Shoto Harada Roshi's teacher walks on the bus and the man who would become Shoto Harada Roshi doesn't get off at his stop or doesn't stay on till his stop. He follows Mumon Roshi off the bus. So he sees something, feels something that effects so clear a yes or a this is this is the next step for me that he transcends any hesitation we might imagine and he follows this guy he's never seen before off the bus
So I'm not sure about language and when to call something faith or trust or something else. But I would say in this moment, and I'd, I'd say that if we think about it, we've all had, maybe they don't make for such a great story, um, but we've all had moments of just doing the next thing beyond doubt, beyond doubt, where there's no uh, static in the way, no hesitation. Somehow, somehow, so really set aside like what to call it, like who cares? Somehow there's certainty and that certainty gets embodied. And maybe we call that faith, but we don't need to. If it creates static, we don't need to. Our base practice, our fundamental practice, this Zazen, is... where the static in general gets reduced, settles out. All the considerations, all the extra. Settles out. And then to some extent we experience freedom. That simple freedom of doing the next thing with nothing in the way or with less in the way. Another story I heard about Shoto Harada Roshi is that at least for a time, uh, He'd wake up in the morning and jump into the pond as a practice, as a practice. Now this isn't a pond where there was any danger, you know, no alligators or crocodiles or piranhas. But you know, cold water. So I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people where when it's time to jump in the cold water, I, you know, I'm like one, two, three, uh, never mind. Maybe like the, the third or the fourth one, two, three, I can do it. So his commentary on this practice of his, as I understand, is, was complete entrustment, complete entrustment. So working with that edge, transcending whatever barrier might be there to leaning into that moment, leaning into that task. 
and we do this in simpler ways. Simpler everyday ways in our daily practice life. So on and off the cushion. We can choose to lean in and feel what's coming up or be with right with what's in front of us. You know, inside, outside, whatever it is, whatever the challenge is. Well, as much as we're able to. Leaning in, doing the work, letting the hesitation and the conflict and the questions kind of do the uh, grinding they need to do so that the work can happen and the growth can happen and the extra can fall away. You know, one metaphor is the rocks in the rock tumbler. Mm -hmm. So you put the rocks in the rock tumbler and they rub up against each other and you leave them in there long enough and that friction, just that friction, removes the extra or some of the extra. Then you open up the rock tumbler and you've got these glowing rocks, these shining gems, if they were gems. going to transition here and talk a little bit from this chant we've been doing, the identity of relative and absolute. So I talked a little bit a week or two or three ago about the first line, the mind of the great sage of India was intimately conveyed from west to east. So that's Bodhidharma. And a lot in that line. The next line is, Among human beings are wise ones and fools, but in the way there is no northern or southern ancestor. So remember this chant is called the identity of relative and absolute. And there are... Uh, many different translations of this chant from, I believe, the Sino-Japanese to English. So it can be helpful in um, looking into and studying any of the chants we do to hold some of these different translations up against each other. And I think I'll be giving a few talks on this one, so maybe I'll bring another one and another title Another um, translation of the title of this same chant is the harmony of difference and sameness. So we've got the identity of relative and absolute and the harmony of difference and sameness. It's different translations for the same 
same idea. And we got these this line, among human beings are wise ones and fools, but in the way there is no northern or southern ancestor. So the first part of this line, we're talking about difference. We're talking about the relative. We're saying that um, subjectively or even objectively, there are wise ones and fools. There are people we'd look at and say, that person's comparatively wise, that person's comparatively not wise. And we wouldn't be wrong to say that. There are differences of other sorts. Um, so among human beings, there are wise ones and fools. But in the way, in the Dharma, as it's being transmitted west to east, north to south, as it's being practiced, as the wheel turns and turns, this Dharma wheel that we're all part of the turning of, in the way, there is no northern or southern ancestor. So this, this refers in part, the background here is uh, to a rivalry between north and south, between the way we do it here and the way we do it there. And maybe my teacher is better than your teacher. Um, well, we don't do it that way here. Uh, we do it a better way. Um, that sort of thing. But this is saying in the way, in the true Dharma, like all of this, minds better, <laughs> is static. The Dharma wheel turns, teachers give talks, have students or don't, people study and are as sincere as they are, and all of this transcends north and south, this and that. So. There's a place, there's, there's a place, um, there's a way in which our ideas about differences cloud things and our comparing mind cloud things, clouds things. And there's also, um, a truth here like there's a truth of difference of the relative of relationships between things uh, or what uh Kyogen carlson called karma relationship you know affinities maybe i have an affinity for this person but not for that person mm -hmm. and certainly of difference the example I keep giving is I want to go at the green light and stop at the red light. And those are two different colors of traffic lights and they mean different things. And um, these are simple truths. 
So it's, it's all one. That's a truth. And this one manifests as the many. And um, can't always skillfully be reduced back down to its all one. How's that? So Sekito Kisen, who wrote this chant, has more to say here. Um, he says, the subtle source is clear and bright. The tributary streams flow through the darkness. To be attached to things is illusion. So there can be an unskillful attachment to this and that. When we get into uh, my teacher's better than yours, perhaps, for instance. To encounter the absolute is not yet enlightenment. So yes, we need to see this truth that all things are one, for instance, uh, interpenetrated, and see it over and over again and see it more deeply this um, side of the absolute or of sameness. We need to encounter it. But that's not the whole maturation process. It's not the whole of enlightenment. So we have to see the one side clearly, the side of oneness. To see the side of difference, clearly see it for what it is, the truth it is. And we have to learn about skillfulness. So we've all said the wrong thing or the right thing at the wrong time. So there's this, okay, it's all good. And then there's skillfulness and lack of skillfulness. Um, for instance, there's karma to be worked out. There's um, actions that are helpful and actions that are less helpful and actions that are harmful. And that's all real too. So we have to learn to play in that whole field and then we learn also about how the relative and the absolute, or the absolute and the relative uh, interpenetrate or inter-are. Um, or as the title of this version of the chant might suggest, there is some sort of identity here. In that other chant, we do often the Heart Sutra. We say form is emptiness. Emptiness is form. So we have to see how that's true, what, what that truth is. And there can be a clear seeing there, and there can be not so clear seeing there. 
And one trap people can fall into in Zen practice is seeing the um, side or having some glimpse into the side of uh, all things are one or absolute truth and trying to reduce everything to that. There's a way in which that absolute truth, that uh, perfection of things as they are, even the unskillful things, uh, that identity with all beings, that um, no coming, no going, there's a way in which that can really cut through, cut through. But it's not always the right medicine or always the right answer or the whole of the picture. To be attached to things is illusion. So not getting attached, but can we play in this field of this and that skillfully? Can we learn to do it skillfully? And always maybe also have a foot in know this, know that, and oh. <laughs> to encounter the absolute is not yet enlightenment. Each and all the subjective and objective spheres are related and at the same time independent. Related, yet working differently, though each keeps its own place. I have nothing to say about that. Okay. Form makes the character and appearance different. I look different than you and different than this bell over here. Sounds distinguish comfort and discomfort. The dark makes all words one. The brightness distinguishes good and bad phrases. Everything will be seen for what it is and there is skillful and unskillful. And the real truth, the most eloquent truth, we sit with beyond words and before words. I'm thinking of um, having uh, one Sunday a month, perhaps, and we can, uh, we can get feedback about this a little later in the program today or whenever. One Sunday a month where we just do sitting and there's not a talk. So maybe two longer periods and then chanting so that we have this physical uh, reminder and embodied part of our form as a Sangha of this truth that really where we're going to work this all out and see more clearly, it's not from some uh, magic words and you know, coming the right week and listening to the right talk. Uh, 
it's it's from our zazen and it's from our engagement and it's from our own deep questioning and feeling into that place where all words are one before words just that pure experience before the mind separates things into this and that and then dealing with all the difference in karma and this and that that does its dance even in that zazen space you know doing the work that's ours to do ours to lean into i don't even know what that is for you you know i don't know what's going on on that cushion over there and there's a way in which that cushion over there is a fiction there's a way in which it is one mind. And I do know intimately some things about the way a human mind works because I watched my own. So, so much is true and potentially confusing. I fear this talk might be confusing, but I'll continue for a bit anyhow. The four elements return to their nature. Return to emptiness. Return to where they came from. As a child to its mother. And then, next line is about the distinctions and the specific um, function and quality. Fire is hot. Wind moves. Water is wet. Earth hard. Eyes see. Ears hear. Nose smells. Tongue tastes the salt and sour. Hmm? Arguably different things. Everything's got its function. Where does it all come from? Where does it all go back to? Each is independent of the other. cause and effect all of this the fire the water the eyes and ears cause and effect the this and that and the this and that interacting with each other creating karma must return to the great reality as a child to its mother Everything comes from the one and returns to the one. And never leaves the one, even as it's functioning as the, as the many. The words high and low are used relatively. So any duality, this and that, um, male and female, mine and not mine, <laughs> mine and yours. Um, what's one we ran into the other day? Perfection. When we use the word perfection, um, it only makes any sense if you put it up against the word, uh, the idea of imperfection. 
we use all of these terms relatively. And they have their function. We're, we, we need them. <laughs> we, uh, they have their truth and their relative terms. I'm sitting here on the second floor. I am high up, kind of in space, relative to people standing on the ground. And there's people on the third floor. So I'm low. <laughs> am I ob objectively either? No. The words are used relatively. Within light, there is darkness. But do not try to understand that darkness. Within darkness, there is light. But do not look for that light. Light and darkness are a pair, like the foot before and the foot behind in walking. Um, we're getting at many different facets of this, the relative, the absolute, and their working together and their um, interpenetration. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to talk on this more. Um, we're close, but there's also putting this up against the other one. And I'm also looking at the time. So that is my talk for today. Turn this up. Um, thank you so much. Feel free to comment while I'm figuring out this recording. <laughs>